So in today's episode we had Taylor come on. Taylor is a sex and intimacy coach, which um, she explains at the beginning of the episode as well. Today, um, on today's episode we spoke about sex, the whole range and what society thinks about it and how we some of it gets pushed away and how we don't get taught about it that much and most of us have, you know, have no idea about it, I guess, or like true intimacy, I guess, around the bedroom and that. and. You know, I think this conversation is a really important conversation, especially, I guess, with how society is around the topic at the moment. And I also get pretty vulnerable in this um, in this podcast. I share some of my stories around this subject as well. So I think it is a very important subject and conversation that we had. Um, and other than that, let's get into it. And I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the show, Taylor. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to delve into this topic with you. Yeah, this is going to be a big topic. This is going to probably push me out of my way, out of my comfort zone, because it's, um, I know, something I've suppressed as well with things, because I, um, I guess I'll just talk about the topic right now. It's like talking about sexual depression, sex, and all this kind of stuff. So... Before we, I guess we jump in, I'll get you to, um, you know, explain some of your work you do around it and then we'll go from there. Yeah, cool. So I am currently doing my master's of counseling at the moment. Um, and I am a women's sexuality coach. So I work predominantly with women, but I also work with couples, um, around their sexuality, around their intimate relationships, dating, and then I also lead a lot of Tantra workshops and really am about um, free sexual expression and really banishing shame from our bedrooms because I see that that's the key to, um, to really deeply connecting as humans with one another. Mm, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely one of those moments and there's so much shame around this topic as well it's like on one stream of things it's they use it for marketing and then on the other stream of things when we actually want to talk about the intimate moment or sex itself it's so hush hush especially like in the school system like when you're growing up in that as well and I talk from my experience because it's like um when when we went through high school learning about sex ed and all that I kind of missed out on that because I was jumping between um HP classes through then so then a lot of the time is I guess especially even including myself and then other men as well that we learn sex through pornographic or porn I guess and then this is having a I guess huge impact on us self-esteem there's anxiety issues which I've spoke about which has been spoken about on a podcast that I've done before and that and I wanted to ask you the question how has this kind of affected women especially these days since most men have the way they find about sex or learn about sex is through pornographic or porn I should be saying yeah I think um yeah I think that a lot of people are really starting to highlight the issue of men learning to have sex from porn and the impact of pornography and access to porn um on men and men's sexuality um but I really just want to acknowledge that women are having the same problems no one teaches us how to have sex. No one teaches us what to do 
it's this like taboo thing and I just have so much compassion for parents and teachers because they're trying to like navigate this space that they themselves no one taught them how to do it no one taught them what it's meant to look like you know and it's this like hushed thing and you're given books or magazines I was given you know the dolly magazines or the girlfriend magazines that have the like the secret bit in the middle and you rip it and there's all this like talk to the expert and stuff but you know no one prepares parents to have that conversation with their teenagers um so what is happening is men and women all over the planet are learning how to have sex learning how to have intimate relationships from Hollywood and from porn. And that to me is like this huge problem because Hollywood and porn don't teach deep human interaction. They don't teach vulnerability. They just don't, they don't teach communication. So we're, like our young people and even myself, like I didn't know not to fear my own pleasure. I have friends and I myself like went through a stage where I was almost scared to orgasm because it's like this, the first times it happens is this out of control feeling. It's like this thing is happening and I explain it sometimes to my partner, like he's turning the light bulb on so like he turns the light bulb on and then I have this orgasm over here but it's like it feels like I'm not in control of it Mm. um and especially as a young person the first few times that happens that can be scary I have friends who have like squirted and freaked themselves out and now they won't let themselves orgasm with a partner because they think it's gross I have you know there's all of this fear around pleasure, losing control, being too intimate that comes up because we're not taught. Yeah, and yeah, as you're saying, there's so much fear. And then as society as well, as you, this is probably on a grand scheme of things, we get taught we have to be in control of everything. And then instead of letting our bodies just do the thing, we need the mind to be in control. So that when our bodies do something that's out of our mind's control, we all freak out. And like, as you were saying, it's like, none of this stuff's like taught. It's all, knock my mic around. (laughs) And um, all this stuff isn't taught. And it's like, and then we're expecting parents to teach it, which they don't know either. They're expecting the schools to teach it and they don't know either. And then also as well as schools, they're jamming so much education down with, I guess, things that we don't need to learn as well, but we don't get taught the fundamentals of life or even sex itself. Yeah, I think that um, it's something that's really lacking from modern day society. We don't have any rituals or sacred practices or rites of passage around our sexuality anymore. You know, we have our school formal. Weddings are the closest and then babies, but it's like at a wedding and when you're having a baby, like that's the only time society really acknowledges that you're a sexual being. But outside of that, there's no instruction. There's no anything. And a lot of ancient cultures had that. Um, In Japan, in ancient times, on her wedding night, the bride would receive this. I've seen it um, it on an episode of uh, Love and Sex Around the World 
this beautiful like book, hand-drawn book of like positions, sex positions. And she was given that on her wedding night. And I don't know what the men received or anything like that, but like we don't have anything like that. It's all like weird Google searches under the blanket at a, at a sleepover and like the parents come running and you're hiding it and all of that kind of thing. There's no like adult who's had the experience. We're trying to learn from our peers. Yeah, that's totally true. And it's like, I was wanted to jump back onto the porn topic as well is that I, even for myself, the first time that I had sex, it was such a disappointment because porn has this high, such a high expectation it was meant to happen and this unrealistic thing. And then when you go to lose your virginity, it's like, okay, that wasn't what I expected. And then because of like, this is also what I've heard from other people is like, because things don't get communicated. So then people try and act like it's a porn scene while having sex, even though the other person doesn't like it or vice, you know, kind of vice versa too. And it's also with men as well, I've heard from as well. Yeah, it's a real performance culture out there mm. because we're watching Hollywood blockbusters with actors that spend eight hours a day in the gym and have fake tans and have had plastic surgery or, you know, those kinds of people acting out a scene that they've rehearsed over and over again with a stunt double or, you know, porn stars. And it's like content made for human consumption. It's made to look pretty. And that's how we're learning how to have the most intimate, vulnerable, connected experience with another human being is through consuming yeah, consuming this thing that's made to look really pretty to the eye. And like it's causing young men and women to feel like they have to look a certain way, perform a certain way. Even like the, the idea of like, like you think a woman's trying to look really good. So if she's like holding her stomach in to look as skinny as possible, and she's still got her makeup on, but she can't sweat too much because then her mascara will run. Like, how is she meant to drop into her body and actually have an orgasm if she's worried that the guy she's with might think she's fat? It's such a hard thing. And it's we have such high expectations around these things. And we kind of forget that we are human. And these things on that we see on a screen is not actually real and i think and as you're saying they completely forget the human aspect of being human because i want you to get that quick you know capture your eye get you into that same movie scene where you know where it's trying to think of how to explain it but like you know the happy every after kind of thing and it's like doesn't show any actual the real moments of real life and it's also i guess in a porn scene as well it's like you know that height I guess the things they do in that isn't necessarily real life either. Even um, let's talk about romanticizing spontaneity in sex. Mm. It's this like everything aligns and there's candles and there's flowers and she's wearing the right underwear and the lighting's perfect and they're passionately making out and he says all the right things and she has this beautiful orgasm and they wake up the next morning. 
well, that doesn't teach us to communicate. That doesn't teach us how to have um, like effective consent. And one of the things that I actually teach is talking about sex outside of the bedroom. Having agreements around sex, having conversations about sex before we get naked, mm-hmm. before we're even turned on, talking about what sex might look like, what we like and don't like, what we would be interested in trying one day, someday, maybe. But in a really mundane setting around the kitchen table with your partner or partners or potential partners, rather than just ending up in the bedroom and then being asked if you'd like to do something and then feeling like if you don't do it, they're going to judge you and leave or all of our emotions and vulnerabilities come up once we're in the bedroom. But if we can really clearly communicate our boundaries, our wants, needs, desires, and fantasies outside of the bedroom, it's so much safer an emotional safeness for sex. And that's so true because sex should be a safe place where you can be your most vulnerable where you can, you know, you know, have that deep connection as we don't really see that now it's all about performance base. And as coming from a guy's point of view, like that's fucking huge anxiety. Like, cause you know, especially the way people talk about it now, it's like, especially through high school and that, that, you know, if, you know, certain things didn't go right in the bedroom. The whole school knew about it and this goes vice versa for girls. So it's like this, we have this huge performance anxiety before going into the bedroom because we're unwilling to communicate about it because we have this idea, expectation of what's meant to happen. And like, if you are a, anyone, but a young person who hasn't been sexual yet or a young person who's just having the first few sexual interactions i'm a sex and intimacy expert and some of the best sex like i practice tantra i teach tantra to others some of the best sex i've had has been when we've like done something weird and we've fallen into like hysterical laughter and that's been some of the best sex I've ever had because it's clunky, it's awkward, but we're holding each other and supporting each other and communicating and like, you, I just feel heard and seen and loved and appreciated. So please don't feel like you have to look picture perfect. Yeah, that is so true. And it's like, and plus like in that moment as well, it's like you're fully embodied, you're just going with the flow. It's not just like this expectation of what's meant to happen or it's just like not necessarily planned ahead. And I think that comes down to with most things in life, when you are with the flow of it, you're more embodied. There's not as much expectations. And I would have to doubt the same thing too. It's like, that's probably some of the best times that that's, I've had sex with previous partners as well. It's like when you just go on with the flow with it and there's no expectation with it at all. And then you're just like in the body and there's like, you know, there's no anxiety around how well you perform or anything like that. It's just like, you're in that moment right then. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Just being a human in the bedroom. Mm. Which I think, yeah. So I guess it's like, my, because I've spoken about, I guess I'll talk about from the guy's point of view after this question, how do, I guess, girls go with, I guess, 
the anxiety around performance issues because I think with a lot of guys I talk about or like they get swept under the carpet or a one-on-one conversation I do know there's a lot of issues around this or even hearing on other podcasts from men that they you know this is like a huge thing for them because of how much I guess the masculine kind of idolizes how well you perform in beds who you are as a man in that so how does this go on the flip side for the feminine so we don't talk about it either Mm. we don't talk about performance anxiety when it comes to sex but i know women out there are having that because i've experienced that i've had um previous partners where I thought that they thought I was under the impression that they thought I'd eaten too much for dinner and therefore I wouldn't take my clothes off in the same room as them. Not even sex related. I wouldn't take my clothes off in the same room as them. Now I have a history of eating disorder in high school. So that's how that performance anxiety looks for me. I'm terrified that, um, that my partner is going to, look at me and think I'm fat and disgusting and decide not to have sex with me. And I've done a lot of work around that and that still comes up. It's something that my, my beautiful partner knows about that I've communicated really powerfully with him. And I just get to acknowledge when it comes up, but it comes up regularly, like probably fortnightly. And I've done all the work. I'm the sex um sexuality coach like that's what I do with people but that comes up where I'm like is he gonna think I'm fat if I take my clothes off right now so it is happening out there for women all over the planet they're worried about um so I run a free women's circle once a month called talking about you yoni and we have shared a number of times pictures of different vulvas because no one shows you what a real vulva looks like a lot of porn stars have had plastic surgery on their vaginas and there are so many different ways that a vulva can look and they're all beautiful and they're all perfect and i think there's this culture where we worry that we look weird or we smell weird or taste or all of those things. There's all of these things about that area of our body that's been shamed for years and years and years. Having a vagina has been like a really hard thing to be born with for a really long time. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And it's like, it's glad that like, it's not, you know, as talking about it as well. Like it, this is like, I know, I guess with the media and that it's so like um, when these topics get bring up, it's so one-sided, but when you really look at these issues, especially around sexuality and sexual suppression, it's both sides. We have a society problem on this. It's not just a man or a woman's issue. This is both our issue. And it's something that, I guess with having this conversation as well, that is so needed in today's society to realize that a lot of our problems isn't a man or woman's issue. It's a society issue. And we need to start, you know, 
bringing these things out and start talking about it healthily instead of pinpointing, you know, pointing the finger at that, like at the other side, it's because like, as speaking from a man as well as like, we have so much, even though there's like so many, I wouldn't say there's a, um, a small amount of men that have wrecked it for a lot for men generally because of the sexual suppression and that, and has gave it, I guess us on a healthy name, but then when you really look at the whole society suppressing this topic. So it's like, okay, we can't express this healthily. And then it's like, and then we get shamed if it gets brought up and it's like trying to think of where I'm going with this tangent. <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying, it's like, it's a society problem. It's not a man or woman's problem or left, right. It's everyone's. Well, if I'm showing women for the first time that vulvas can look lots of different ways, mm. what do men think they should look like? Mm. I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee, but I would like guess I've probably seen more penises than you have. Yep. I probably know more Definitely. about how penises work <laughs> than you do. Yeah. Now, what if, the same is true for you and you've seen more vaginas than me and you know how vaginas work better than I do. What kind of dynamic is that? Like as a, if we represent the majority of society as a species, women know more about men's anatomy than men do. And men know more about women's anatomy than women do. I have lots of friends who it's like it hasn't been until recently that they've had a partner like who knew knew what he was doing and taught her how to really have an orgasm. Mm. Like that just says to me that there is something missing in education for women that men have to teach them what feels good for their bodies. Yeah, that is a that is a very good point there. And like it's kind of made me lost for words as well, how it's how society has made that come for both of us. It's like, well, it's crazy how the opposite sex knows better than what we do with ourselves. Right. And you know, what kind of you know, you should be kind of finding out for yourself what you like and that so you're able to communicate that to your partner. But because now it's like, we don't know. So then it's the partners kind of finding out for us what, you know, what works best for us and all that, which that should not be the case. And, and I guess that would bring up a lot of shame as well. Yeah. And it's um, what, and I've had a similar experience. It's like the man becomes my permission to experience pleasure. And I had a conversation with um, Victoria Redbard last year. She's a, um, she runs the New Paradigm Intimacy School. Um, but I had a conversation with her and even last year, I said the words out loud that it is icky for me to touch myself. That's the sentiment of women across the planet. Our, it is icky for us to touch our natural body, the, the body we were born with. 
it's icky for us to explore how our body parts work. But when we were kids and we had our toes in our mouth, no one was like, that's icky. But all of a sudden, if I take my hand and touch my vagina, that's icky. That's wrong and bad. And like, how can that be wrong and bad? I'm just touching myself and exploring myself and finding out what I enjoy so that when I share my body with another human, I'm not in any physical danger. That's a very powerful point you brought up because like even for myself, there was quite a bit of shame, especially like growing, I guess, like first time coming around with like, you know, finding out masturbation, you know, finding out all this stuff. There was so much shame around it. And I'm like, I don't even know why there was so much shame around it. And I had no key indicators of why there was shame around it. It could be even, I guess, since that topic was such a hush-hush topic, because even if you brought up your parents, it's like, no, we're not talking about that yet not talking about that yet and then you start going with hormones start going crazy when you're I guess 12 11 13 such and such and they start doing all those things and then when you are doing this so you feel so shameful and this is from my experience I remember when I first started masturbating is that I had so much shame about it it's like okay now I'm starting to realize it's a natural part of being human and this is like how many years later 10 plus years later and it's like okay, because now I've started to teach myself embodiment and this is and this is not even getting into the sexual stuff, which is something I'm eventually going to look into because for myself, I do have, I guess, a bit, I don't know, there's a lot of suppression around with that with myself as well and the, like even talking about it and body goes, like freaks out. It's like my anxiety is like through the roof at the moment. It's like whole nervous system's freaking out with what's good, like even talking about it. So there's something that I need to like work on with myself as well. But now that I've started to embody it, as I was saying, it's like, it's a lot more, there's not as much shame with it. But then going back then, there was so much shame just around just masturbating, even like around sex at times, I had a lot of shame around it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I really feel that as well. A lot of shame and guilt. Um, I share quite a bit but when I was really little before I had any idea like could even know what sex was I used to um masturbate but I didn't know what it was I would just rub like this part of my arm on my clitoris through my clothes because it felt good now my parents and grandparents were worried that someone was sexually assaulting me for obvious reasons because I did it in public it just felt good I was a little girl and it felt really good but they took me to the doctors and I peed in all these cups and had all these tests to make sure I was okay. And then I started like, I never stopped doing it. I just stopped doing it when they were around. But no one ever sat me down and told me, talk, I can't remember like being told what it was, why it was like that. I just was told like, don't do that. People are like, people think bad things. And that's it. And we're like, it's no fault on our parents either. But, and this can come back to a lot of the institutions that have come down over generations that we just don't talk about it unless it's like, you know, because it's like, oh, you don't have sex till marriage and all that kind of stuff. So then when we see 
a young child that's doing something like that is like so much shame. It's like, no, that can't happen. Like it's not meant to be till adulthood. And that even though it's such a, I guess, a natural thing for humans to do because we are creatures that seek pleasure. Yeah, and you can only imagine what my early 20s must have been like if my whole life had been about this thing feels really good, but no one can know I'm doing it. Like as soon as I, I, I was like, had a like really strong sexual urges uh, once I started having sex, very strong sexual urges. And then as soon as I like got into a relationship, I would just withdraw that side of me because it was like, it's wrong and bad. And like, it can't feel good. I, I really like this thing, but it's not allowed to feel good. Like my whole brain chemistry set up because of that those early interactions was, I'm not allowed to experience pleasure because my pleasure is nasty. It's bad. I would have to like, I got a similar story with that too. It's like, with my previous relationship, I had a lot of shame with, I guess, having sex, especially if someone else was in the house or something like that, I would freak out, but like, no, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be too loud. They're like, don't want to speak too loud. Don't want anyone else to hear. And it's just like all this shame come up and it stopped me a lot of the time from having sex because it's like, okay, I don't want no one else to know. It's got to be secret. And, and yeah, and this whole story, we're giving the flashbacks of it. But yeah, it's just like that whole shame story around it because I didn't want anyone else to know. And it's like, well, it's like that natural thing humans do, especially if you are in an intimate relationship. Yeah. And I had, um, so even that story that my pleasure's like bad play out one night before my partner moved in with me, I was at his place and I went to bed early and I was reading and I was like, I'm going to masturbate. And he was on the phone, but he walked past the door and I had this full response. Like the little girl in me was like, oh my God. And I like freaked out and like just felt every muscle in my body clench. Like I was bad and I made myself so wrong. And, and like, I was 26. I was online talking about the female orgasm. I was in a loving, committed relationship, but my response was still that. It is so crazy how that inner child in us still comes out so much because, and this is like a lot of the stuff that I teach as well. It's like, you know, you've got to hold space for that inner child, especially when that comes up because our whole like shadow self or I guess inner child comes out when something like that house happens and starts freaking out whole body goes haywire, you know, anxiety comes up, you start shaking and it's like, I've got to hide. And it's like, and this crazy thing because of the shame that we were taught from a young age. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's just so natural, so normal. Everyone's experience is so deeply personal and it, it's not my place to, comment on someone else's expression of pleasure i totally agree with that but i mean i totally agree with that i didn't mean to say but then <laughs> <laughs> um my question i was going to ask is like how do you 
help people to, I guess, not experience shame in the bedroom? Yeah, so everyone's journey is similar because we're living in the same society, but everyone's journey is so unique and so their own. So it's about identifying like what the shame is. Most of the time I start by telling people that their fantasy is normal. There's nothing weird about them. And then just really, you know, delving into what the experience is like with them, maybe coaching them, um, giving them exercises to work through. But it's mainly just, you know, being with them on their journey. Being with someone on their journey so that they, they have someone to talk to about it. And like coming back to what I said about learning from our peers, like there's no one guiding us or even there for us to talk to about this stuff. For most people, there's not an older adult to go to and say, hey, I had this weird experience, but it felt good. Like, is there something wrong with me? Is like what will feel good or there's no one to do that with. So it's about being that person and like self-electing that I'm that person. Like I see that person does not exist in most people's lives. So that is what I am here to do. That is my purpose. I am here for you to come to and say, hey, this weird thing happened. Am I normal? And 90% of the time, my answer is yes. And it's like, if it's been generally, if it's not, as you say, 90% of the time, if you're generally thinking about it, someone else has thought about it as well. And it's like, it's, yeah, on the conscious collective level, it definitely has. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably wrap that up on this question. And this is probably just your own opinion with this as well. It's like, how do you think as a society, we can stop suppressing sex everyone needs to do the work on themselves everyone needs to learn how to be the partner of someone that's doing the work on themselves and everyone needs someone that they can go to and say hey am i weird this is what my experience was like because it's really hard to do the work on yourself and then share. And I see this happens a lot. Partners aren't always prepared for what you're going to tell them. Like if I come to my partner and I'm like, hey, I have this fantasy about having an affair. Now he has to deal with that I have a fantasy about having an affair. Now, fantasies don't necessarily mean you actually want to do it. It's just something theoretical that induces turn on in your body. But we need to give partners the space to do the work on themselves, share with our partners, but also like our partners need to be able to be like, ask us to go somewhere else to talk about it as well. Sometimes we need to process 
what's going on for us before we share with our partner. Because, yeah, it's not fair to throw obscure fantasies at your partner and expect them to hold you and not be triggered themselves. Because we have all experienced sexual oppression and we have all suppressed our own sexuality. That's just what it means to be human on the planet at the moment. There are very few people who haven't had that experience. And we need to be really compassionate for it. That is so true. We do. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing with everything going on, especially at the moment, is just show up in compassion and to realize that a lot of it has been suppressed. We haven't communicated a lot of the things that are actually going on, especially inside of us. Like this is the first time I've ever communicated what's actually, you know, happened in my sexual life and what's actually happening for me. And it's something that I'll probably start talking about a lot more, especially being a male, because I don't see a lot of males talking about it. But yeah, and you know, those words are definitely so true. And thank you so much for coming on and talking about this topic. I'm super grateful. <laughs> Push me yes. way out of my comfort zone, which is phenomenal. You're so welcome. And yeah, like I really like acknowledge you for going out of your comfort zone and being that permission slip for men and also like men don't feel like you have to follow mitch's suit like go and see a relationship counselor yeah you don't have to say on the internet (laughs) yeah go and talk to a sexologist because and women go and talk to an expert in this field as the first step don't go live on Facebook so grandma and grandpa can hear about your sexual escapades. Go and speak to an expert because I think you'll find that what you're dealing with, most people are dealing with. 100%. And, yeah, with you saying that too, I'll link up all your stuff down below and all that in the bio when I release this. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I very much appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in today's episode, guys. Um, Give it a thumbs up. Let me know what you think. And also, if you think a friend would value from this, please share it with them. And also, before I let you go too, guys, my Rewrite Your Story video course is out now as well. And just, just go to my website to be able to get that. And also, um, on the 5th of April, I'm launching Re-Engineer Your Mindset program so if you'd like to register for that either contact me through any of my socials or go to studio or email me at studio of mindfulness so that's with the last s as a number five at gmail.com and thank you guys for the support and appreciate it and have a good one